join us again. If you're a first time listener, make sure to go back and check out our previous episodes. As you know by now, we bring inspiring stories from leaders in the startup space in a casual coffee shop style conversation. You'll hear how founders, makers, and investors are building the new generation of disruptive startups and how that shapes the world for everyone. Our guests will share how they are building innovative companies that have customer experience in their DNA. If you have a founder that you like to see on the show, connect with us on Instagram at sitdownstartup. On today's episode, we have Michael Weistrack, CEO and co-founder of Freshly, a healthy meal delivery service offering nutrient-packed dishes with restaurant-quality taste. Weistrack brings over 10 years of experience in the food industry, and he has a one-two punch with a background in finance, real estate, and entrepreneurship. His talents contribute to freshly shipping over 1 million meals per week across 48 states in the U.S. And last October, this fast-growing startup was acquired by Nestle for $1.5 billion. Congrats to this team of unicorns. To interview Michael, we invited a sit-down startup veteran, Zendesk CMO Jeff Titterton. Jeff also has an entrepreneur background, Prior to joining Zendesk, he worked at many startups. I think this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Let's get down to business. Let's sit down and start up. All right. Michael, founder and CEO of Freshly. It is very uh, exciting to talk to you. How are you doing today? Doing well, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. So excited to share the story here. All right, great. Well, we always start with an opening question um, that I wish we could be doing in person at a coffee shop, but uh, obviously that is not possible in 2020. So uh, let's start with this opening question of what is your favorite coffee shop drink that we would be drinking together if we were together? So uh, someday we'll, we'll have that coffee in person, but uh, I'm a little, I'm not that excited. It's, it's just a black coffee. So I'm, I'm an old school black coffee. I'm a diehard Starbucks fan though. So I get Eventy black coffee at least once a day. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm similar except I've switched to decaf because I reached a certain age and I couldn't sleep anymore if I drank the full stuff. So, <laughs> but I I used to enjoy my black coffee quite a lot. All right, great. So uh, let's get started. Let's talk. You you have created this amazing company freshly that is delivering a million meals a week. Can you talk to us about how you got into this industry? Um, I understand you have a background and a family background in the food industry. Yeah, so I came with a, a family background in food, um, kind of uh, full circle. We we I grew up in a ranch. Uh, my parents opened our first restaurant when I was a month old. So I like to say we were doing farm to table before farm to table was cool. Um, <clears throat> but really, I, after working in a restaurant my entire life, I swore that I would never get into food. Um, I left to go do investment banking. Uh, fast forward you know, 10 years and, and hitting 30 and finding that my metabolism doesn't work as, as well as I, I, I used to with the with the two pizza a day diet um, was no longer uh, was no longer sustainable for me. Um, so really, the, the way we started Freshly, I started Freshly is I was actually trying to buy a solution. So I wanted to buy healthy meals that were affordable. Basically, I wanted to hack together my own personal chef and nutritionist, and there wasn't anything out there. Um, and I was equipped with just enough knowledge to make me dangerous in the food industry. So I, I had a restaurant at the time. I started working as my parents' restaurant. So I started working with the chefs and a, a really good friend who's a ER doctor by training, but got passionate into kind of 
medicine and I was scratching my own itch. I just wanted my own kind of service. I just, I wanted my own personal chef and nutritionist. I just didn't want to pay for it. So I had to gather my own solution and uh, people started saying, Hey, what are you doing? Would you do it for me? Um, so my light, the light bulb went off and I said, Hey, I could maybe make some money off this. So that was really the foundation of, of Freshly was not necessarily like this idea of, Oh, I'm going to start a company, but it was really, I was trying to eat healthy without doing any of the work. Um, and the byproduct of that was Freshly. And it's, it's been an amazing journey because it's really been something that I think has resonated with a lot of people. As, as you said, we are shipping over a million meals a week. Um, and we've been sold out almost from day one. As much capacity as we bring online, we, we are sold out quickly. So it's, it's been a fun journey. And talk to me a bit about that's very exciting. I, I always love a founder who created uh, their product out of their own their own finding a lack in the market and a need that that uh, becomes a great product market fit. Talk about you know how did you scale up from from zero to a million? Was this a city by city journey? How did you approach growth? Yeah, so for us it was it was uh, it wasn't city by city. It was geographical and regional. So when we started, we started in Arizona actually, which is. Uh, its own un- unique at the time when we were <clears throat> starting. Basically, if you weren't in San Francisco or New York, there was no access to venture capital. So, which was both a blessing and a curse. It ended up being a long-term blessing because we really had to bootstrap a lot of our beginnings. Um, but we started off in Arizona. We serviced the broader Arizona region. And then we started regionally shipping our products once we figured out shipping. Um, then, <clears throat> so we expanded in nine states. Uh, then we figured out that we could start using first mile trucks of our own and we got to a big enough scale. So we went to 28 states. Uh, and then in 2019, we opened an East Coast facility and that gave us 48 state uh, coverage. And now we have all 48 states coverage and we're really building just a lot more density so we can get our product to our consumers a lot faster um, and a lot more efficiently. Yeah, that's great. And one of the things you're well known for is having fresh, delicious food. Um, and of course, I'm assuming that uh, that is one of your core differentiators, but is also probably fairly challenging to create that food and meet the needs of all these different cu- customers. How, how do you all approach that customer challenge of meeting various dietary, various taste different needs? Yeah, so a few ways. So I think, um, so one, yeah, so I mean, our, our differentiation is is we focused on this idea of fresh and healthy and convenient and fast. So us, unlike a lot of our, our competitors in the market, our meals are fully prepared. All you have to do is heat them up. You can heat them up in an oven, a microwave, whatever you want to do to heat them up, but they're fully cooked, right? So three minutes later, you got an amazing meal uh, that's fresh, healthy, um, no additives, no junk, and, and 85 banned ingredients. So what we really thought, and, and our my big thing was like, I believe we're at a system where we don't have to compromise, right? So traditional fast food was kind of unhealthy food. Um, and then it, to, to answer your kind of more direct question on, on the customer scaling challenges, I think as you scale as a company, and uh, you know, I think probably similar with Zendesk or any co- companies you have is sometimes you have to say no to customers so that you can really focus on who is the right customer at the set of time. So as you can imagine, food, there's so many different taste preferences. There's different diets people are following. And if you say yes to everyone, you don't do a great job. So, you know, for example, right now, we don't even have a vegetarian dish. It's not because we're anti-vegetarian or we think, but really we've grown at kind of a, a customer who's more looking for protein now that we're at a certain amount of scale. And, and again, we've you know acquired over a million customers and, and we're shipping a million meals a month. We're going to bring on our first vegetarian kind of dedicated product line uh, just this year. But I think a big part of scaling a business is is making sure that you don't try to be everything to everyone. Uh, you really focus on who is your best core customer. Uh, and again, you could take a long view at it that, you know, as 
as we think about really wanting to change the food system. Uh, ultimately, we want to service every single customer of every single taste preference and every single diet. But we know that's going to be a journey. And, and we know we're still pretty early in our journey. And, and we want to make sure that we focus on kind of, I guess, chipping away one at a time. Makes sense. Yes. And we all know the dangers of boiling the ocean or peanut buttering our resources. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to switch topics here a little bit. Um, so you read a lot about greenhouse gas emissions and the food industry and how much that's responsible for increasing uh, greenhouse gas emissions. What's, what's Freshly's doing some work here. How are you investing in reducing the environmental impact on uh, of the food industry? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is is food is a really interesting thing in in across the, the world, but specifically here in the U.S. And that. Uh, the, the the two largest components to greenhouse gas, which is <clears throat> methane gas, uh, come from food and food sources, right? So number one comes from livestock, uh, and number two actually comes from uh, food waste that we throw in landfills, right? Um, and and then when you look at the other side of that, so these kind of two 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 different things. So you you're creating a huge amount of waste, and then the other side is. Uh, we have 12% of the U.S. population who's food insecure every night, meaning they're going to bed and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. So in the U.S. right now, 30% of all food that is produced is thrown out, right? 30%, meaning one-third of everything we produce is thrown wow. out. Um, and 12% and, and of the U.S. population doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from. So you look at the dichotomy of that, Right. And so what we really look at in the U.S., which is different than others, is really in the U.S., our worst enemy is ourselves, right? And we look at food, both sustainability and is, is that we ultimately, um, uh, when we look at grocery stores, the grocery store network, one in seven truckloads that go to grocery stores is thrown out, right? So that's produce and meat principally thrown out. So you think about it and you say, OK, I want to reduce the greenhouse emissions from livestock. Well, the best way is that 30, we don't throw out 30 percent. So we don't overproduce 30 percent. That's a 30% reduction in greenhouse gases without changing any food consumption behavior, right? It's just getting rid of the waste. So before you even have to talk about converting people to being vegetarians or uh, meat alternatives, simply start with saying, hey, let's just not throw away the meat, right? That's the number one thing. And then the second thing is, is <clears throat> so as we look around, the other thing we do is we're poor consumers, right? We ultimately buy groceries. We all do this. We have the best intentions. This is the week we're going to cook and we're going to do all these things. And then end of the week, we realize that we've got a bunch of spoiled groceries, right? And we throw those out. So what Freshly really does to combat this is saying, hey, let's change the ecosystem of the food. So our food waste per diem, what we basically throw out at food waste is, is just under 50 basis points. So a half of 1% is our food waste, right? Wow. And then when we do have food waste, what we do is we look to say, hey, how do we make sure that food waste is going to landfills with, with methane recapture? So we're not just you know, setting this up in the atmosphere. How do we make sure maybe we can, we, and we're working on different programs to actually feed pigs, right? Because pigs is a great area where you can give uh, food that maybe isn't great for human consumption. We donate all excess meals directly to food banks. So we are the one of the largest contributors to to food in Phoenix and Maryland, our two where our two large facilities are, because we anything excess goes immediately to the food banks and and again solving this. So you know I think is one of the opportunities is food goes direct to consumer, right? Is we we take kind of a broken food supply chain that really evolved fifty years ago and and really think about how can we solve this from multiple approaches. And and to us the great thing about food and really focusing on sustainability is <clears throat> if you do a great job on sustainability, you also at the same time are solving this 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 uh, 
you know, food away, food deserts, these, these challenges where, where again, people are, are going to bed at night and they don't know where those next meals are. So we think there's a tremendous opportunity to lead uh, and, and to think about it kind of both sides. So we do a lot on sustainability. Uh, we think we think food systems of the future are, are going to be about how do we how do we substantially how do we feed the incremental you know five billion people we're going to have on the planet in the next twenty years is, is a pretty massive challenge and we need to be you know very thoughtful in that approach. That's so great, and you know especially now and during this pandemic time, we see these lines of people you know waiting to in their cars to get food. We read about you know in our own city you know large percent of children uh, being food insecure every night. So that's that's really wonderful that you all do that. And I, I think that leadership uh, is great. It will carry across the industry. Um, I want to turn uh, to customer experience and retention. Obviously, we are Zenda, so this is something we focus on a lot with our customers. You are a subscription model. Um, and obviously, with any subscription model, retention is critical. How do you all think about retention and how do you kind of approach that problem of keeping your customers engaged, happy, loving, loving freshly? Yeah. So, I mean, what we always say with our team, and I think, you know, one of the things I always focus on our team is retention is a second, is a derivative number. It's a second value number that we measure how successful we are with our customers, right? So when you look at retention, you look at, you know, we're a subscription, but we're you know, I think actually HelloFresh just reclassified it as a e-commerce subscription, e-commerce, like whatever they call it, weekly opt-in subscription, right? Where it's not really a true subscription. Like, you know, at Zendesk where <clears throat> I, I, I am subscribing, but I'm signing up a contract and those things. Where our customers are making a choice every week and they can cancel without any commitment. Um, but what, when you ultimately look at it is, is no matter what the business model is, right? Whether you're Zendesk or Freshly, it ultimately comes down to how happy is the customer with your product and your product offering. Because just because you can lock me in for you know a year or at the end of the day, what you want to make sure is that I'm happy with that product, that product offering. So when we think about retention, it's a byproduct or it's a derivative of customer success and customer satisfaction. And when we think about <clears throat> our entire product is, is, is ultimately, did we succeed on every promise or commitment we made with that customer. And that's really what we do is we do a bunch of micro promises, right? We do from the minute you land on our site, does does the package, does what you're buying meet your expectations of what you saw online? Do we do a good job on delivery? Do we do a good job on 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 are the meals created as tastefully as we say they are? And those are all little micro promises and commitments. And ultimately the sum of retention is how good are you at keeping your word and commitment? And and so that's when we really look at and, and for us is is Customer, everything, again, I think any great company is a customer first company, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, your customer is the one who, who pays your, pays your uh, salary, pays your bonus, pays everything. So like, as the organization thinks about that and says, we succeed with our customer satisfaction. And that's really, we think now retention is a measurement, NPS is a measurement, customer satisfaction. These are all measurement tools to tell us how well we're doing. Uh, and obviously, if we do an amazing job, our customers love us, then we know they're going to come back and they're going to buy more and more products and we're going to be more and more profitable. Um, so it is that self-fulfilling kind of prophecy, but it really focuses around, is the customer smiling? Are they happy? Yeah. And can you talk to me about what what data inputs do you use, um, whether that's just you know actual usage data or also just talking to customers? How do you approach understanding your customer and what their needs are? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of ways. So I think, you know, again, leading into kind of the conversation with Zendesk is, you know, what we really look at is, is one of our best tools is our customer service and our customer success team, right? So it, it, because often they're getting, they're getting 
real conversations with our customers at scale. And and really what we look at is is with our customer service is they're identifying areas where we need to improve, right? And that's what we, we look at those is, is, is when we have customers call in, um, <clears throat> it's a great time to have a conversation with that customer to in, engage, whether it's email, call, chat, all those things. So that's a big measurement tool that we use. Uh, and then we look, we correlate that information that we're getting with customer, uh, with our customer service uh, across our broad levels. So we look to say, okay, we're only going to get a percentage of customers who are going to contact us. So we can now use data to actually understand how are these different things impacting the overall business? Um, and then we look a lot of data. We, we extract a lot from our customers on meal ratings. Uh, we extract different interactions and how they're doing different interactions. And really just trying to understand, um, again, it's all what the, what's happening to the customer. We're trying to understand and use data to better, to better extrapolate that. Um, and, and customer service, it's always, you know, the, we can always guess. We love when people just tell us, right? <clears throat> and again, customer service is, is, is painful sometimes, a lot of the times. Because people are identifying weaknesses. They're identifying things that you didn't get right. And as an organization, as people, we hate when people point out things that we need to improve on, right? It just, it just, it's, it doesn't feel good, right? We love, we love pats on the back. Uh, we love people telling us we're great. And when people say, hey, you didn't do a good job here, right? Um, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And, but what we, what we really train our organization to say is those are opportunities, right? And it's really about reframing and saying, hey, when we, we, we fail, we fail every single day. There's not a day that goes by where we don't, we don't stumble and mislead. Now, it's an opportunity to learn how do we get better? How do we, how do we think about that? So a lot of the things that we do is about making sure that the organization is getting that data uh, and really working to do the best we can to, uh, because as you could imagine, and you, you know very well, is that you're getting a lot of uh, different data. So we use a lot of things on, on top of our Zendesk so we can, we can use like word bubbles. We can aggregate things out quickly for the organization because the organization ultimately is not going to be able to see every single thing that comes through the, the channel. And we need to make sure that we're bubbling up the really important things so that the organization can act upon it. Yeah. And maybe to make it real for our listeners, um, would be great to hear what was something you learned from your customers that you had assumed, you know, as you built out this great product offering, but something you learned from your customers that you thought would work one way, but you really needed to change, um, you know, something you learned you weren't doing right, to use your words. Well, I think, well, I mean, oh God, there's so many examples, but I think, you know, one of the early ones in Clarity was customers were just confused, right? We Here we thought we were doing a great job communicating the value propositions, what they're getting. And it, what we realized and very quickly is that they just didn't know what they, they just bought, right? A lot of guys were buying and saying, I thought I was getting the meal kit, right? So, so, so that's a huge failure. And we said, well, how could you, you know, and a lot of times I'm sure anyone who has a company says, they're going, well, how could you, how could you think we're a meal kit? We say here. And what you realize a lot of these things is, is, is often in a company, you're so close to the product, the product offering that it's hard for you to remember what it would be like if you were a customer. Right. And so, so we get a lot of these things where we come back and we think we've done a great job. We think this really blends like, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time on our patching, for example, where we had people, you know, people uh, cutting open um, gel packs and thinking that they were vegetables. And, and we, we said, well, how could you think it's a vegetable? It's so obvious it's a gel pack, right? And we realized, like, we didn't have it properly labeled. Like, we didn't say on here, this is not for consumption. So these little learnings, they happen all the time. And I think that's, that's just the most important thing is that we always think we know we always think we know what the customer is going to think. And, and often, more often than not, we need the customer to tell us what, what we missed. 
I, I so agree with that. There's so many times we are sure something's going to work perfectly and then we find out that we've completely missed the ball. And it's, it's just all about continuous evolution, isn't it? It is. So uh, going to switch topics here to uh, some exciting news. Um, probably most of our listeners know this, but some may not. Uh, you were recently acquired or in the process of being acquired by Nestle, a very large, uh, very successful company, obviously, that is a household name. Uh, talk to us about that. How does... How does that change things for Freshly? Yeah, I mean, it will, well, you know, I think the great thing for us with with Nestle is is they invested in us a little over two years ago, um, and we really got to an uh, opportunity to get to know them. I always like to say we dated for two years before we got married, um, and and as those of you who are married, I am, uh, you know that the dating the dating process is you get to learn a lot about someone, the goods and the bads, right? And in in any relationship. There are goods and there are bads, right? And um, what we really got to understand is, is for us, what was really important is the vision of what Nestle is trying to do. Uh, what the, the CEO Mark Schneider and Steve Presley here is the U.S. CEO. You know, where's their vision in the next ten years? Um, and and I think the, the the most exciting thing for us on the acquisition was one, they were going to let us continue to do what we do. They set us up as a completely separate um, subsidiary, even to the point that. You know, we, we keep our own benefits plan, our own pay, all, all of our reporting structure. Nothing's really changed there. But I think the, the really exciting thing for us was their belief in how food is changing and how we can be part of that and how through the largest food company in the world, we can really transform food. And I think, you know, a lot of people and, and rightfully so give big food a lot of criticism for different things. Right. And, and for, you know, the, some degree, the food system they built over the last 50 years. Right. Um, and that's, I think, very fair criticism. And, and, but the reality is, is big food is big food, right? They're touching a lot of people. And in order for there to be massive changes uh, in the food system, which we think is imperative, we think imperative to the health of the world, the health of America is going to be a radical transformation in how we think about food as, as food is, as health and wellness. Uh, and in order for that to happen, we need to do this at scale. We need to make sure that this is, this is democratized, right? That this is affordable. Uh, this is not that we are, if we're focusing only these kind of offerings towards the the economic, the front quartile of economic, uh, you know, people in the, in the country. It just, it's, it's not the, the vision that we believe in. So Nestle brings us that scale. Nestle brings us that ability to really hit a broader demographic. And, and again, as, as we think about our mission, this unlocked that. And it also allowed us, and they've been great on saying, hey, we love what you guys are doing. We want to keep that. We want to protect you. We want to make sure that that keeps going. So really exciting for us. And, and again, I think we're really excited about the partnership and, and areas. And I think a lot of Exciting news that's going to come out next year of freshly popping up and being a lot more accessible for a lot more people at a lot better price points is going to be really exciting. That is great. Well, congratulations. I'm sure for our startup listeners, this is a, you know, a, a tale of success that they would love to emulate. And I think to be able to do your vision at scale um, is you're already doing it, obviously, at very big scale. But to be able to do it at even bigger scale is uh, just incredible. So uh, let's end with a, a fun question. When you request customer service from a company, uh, what, what channel do you like to request uh, your customer service on? Uh, the channel best for me is always text. I'm, I'm like, that's the, that's just generally, it goes with everyone. Like everyone knows, like emails, the slowest Slack second slowest. If you really need me text, don't even bother calling me. Cause I'm not going to look at that voicemail for, uh, for a long time. And I think, you know, and that's, that's the exciting thing. Now the, the great thing is, is like with customer service and you see, this is like, uh, what we're really focusing on is, is talk to people where they want to be spoken to. Yeah. And so much of, kind of customer service old school is like, I talk to you the channel I want. Um, 
a lot of really cool stuff that that we're unlocking and, and different channels and you know whether it's Apple or or Facebook and these different areas where you can reach customers and, and keep the conversation where they want to keep it. Yes, exactly. That is what customers want. And uh, I'm glad you're giving it to them. All right. Well, Michael, this has been really great. Uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, keep that fresh food coming. All right. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. Michael, thank you so much for joining the show. Freshly for sure helped me get into a healthier diet as I jumped from one Zoom meeting to the next while stuck at home. It's incredible how you scaled the business and landed a fantastic exit with Nestle. Fun fact, my favorite Freshly meal is steak peppercorn. Well, now I'll have to try that dish, Pedro. And once again, Michael, congrats to you and the team on taking a bootstrap startup in Arizona to truly scalable heights. Freshly is also a great example of sustainability. I loved hearing how you're decreasing your environmental impact by reducing your greenhouse gas emission and getting rid of your waste. Let's all be inspired by that commitment to our planet. And if you like this episode, help us grow. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a review. All right, listeners, stay safe and hungry.